Some of the topics in this episode are graphic in nature and may be disturbing to some listeners, especially children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. I'm Marisol Nichols, and I'm so happy to be back with you here today. And as always, I appreciate that you've taken the time to join us. Now, I'm going to jump right in today because due to the crisis in the Ukraine, my dear friend and partner Tim Ballard has made a trip to the studio to provide us with important updates on the situation and OUR's work within that country and collaborators there, and it has been nothing short of amazing. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, Tim Ballard is a former agent with the CIA and Homeland Security, and he headed up the Child Sex Crimes Unit within the government for 12 years. Tim left his government post to become the founder and CEO of Operation Underground Railroad, an outstanding organization that works on both national and international stages to stop human trafficking. Now, he and his operatives have assisted in the arrest of hundreds of traffickers and in the process has saved countless women and children from human trafficking around the globe. So let's jump right into this. Tim, thank you for coming back. Thank you. What I want to talk about in this episode is Ukraine. Yeah. Because the second the war hit, you were gone. Yeah, crazy. And so I want you to fill in me and everyone watching this on not only what happened in the Ukraine, but what happens whenever there's these a war or a natural disaster or anything that like what happened in the Ukraine yeah. and where this fits in with trafficking. Yeah, crazy. So on February 24th, the Russians invade Ukraine. I don't think I can do anything about that. I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, my wife, Catherine, was very concerned because she runs something at OUR called Children Need Families where we go into high trafficking areas and provide grants to get orphans out. Because there's some countries, like places we've been yeah. in, in, in Latin America, Haiti, where if you're an orphan, it's a 90% chance you are gonna be trafficked or exploited sexually some way. Mm. Like, that's anecdotal, but you know, I don't have the actual data. You gotta get them out. Right. These orphans are just the most vulnerable. Um, and so we just find those high trafficking areas and Ukraine's been on our list for a while, well, well before the war. So we had 12 kids that were in the pipeline to get out. Okay. We had grants, families waiting for them. So when the war happened, Catherine's like, no, these babies gotta get out. And then she said, she comes to me, she's like, you, you gotta go. Cause she knows, she knows that if I'm on the ground, like I can't stop, like I just, I won't say, I won't take no for an answer. Right. She know, and so she's like, you can't, I don't want you to send someone. I just want you to go and you'll figure it out. And it was so bizarre. Cause I was like, Catherine, like, I know we're used to me going dangerous places, but this is, there are literally Russian missiles dropping everywhere and you don't know where they're gonna drop. Right. Like this is a war zone and you really want me to go in? And, but for her, it's a, it's a matter of faith and like it came very strong yeah. from heaven. Like I hate it too. I mean, she was crying. Like she's like, I, I have to tell you what I'm feeling. You need to go. And then I said, okay. Uh, and then when I started going, she was like trying to like, like counteract. <laughs> Her original instruction. Sure. She's like, well, do, can you go and not go to the war zone? I'm like, no, the whole thing's a war zone, you right. know? Anyway, but bless her heart, she sent me out, and, and I, you know, I've learned enough over the years that when she, when that happens, I, I really need to listen. Okay. So we went out there and we partnered with an amazing organization who we've worked with over the years. Mm. I just love them. I'm, in fact, I'm on their board. That's it's great. called uh, Area Recovery Group. Okay. And they, they do something a little different than OUR does where they, they are specialists. They're all former like special ops, former Green Berets. So they're specialists at working in hot zones, in, in war zones, oh. in, in you know, bombed out zones, in hurricane zones, you know, whatever. They, they, they know how to work in chaos. Okay. 
So over the last four or five months, working with Aerial Recovery Group and other organizations, we were able to rescue 3,500 women and children out of the real high-intensity bombed-out zones in Ukraine. And we moved these kids uh, into the western part of the country or into Poland, Hungary. Um, OUR built a shelter in Romania to, to be able to house some of these orphans. You know, I remember when you were in the Ukraine, you sent me, you sent me footage. And you sent me what you guys were doing, and you were moving a bunch of these kids out of this one sort of building where everyone was sort of sleeping on the floor, and then literally the building got hit. Yeah. And the building got bombed. Yeah. So, like, the one place we thought was the safest was Lviv. It's in the western part of the, of the, uh, of the country. And that's where our headquarters is. It's a whole command center. It's crazy. And the operations are 24-7, and we're doing multiple every week. Right. That's how you get that many out. Buses going in. And, and we literally are just going into, like, missiles dropping. And we're just going in. Like, it's crazy. It was on Easter Sunday. We, we called it Operation Good Friday because we went out on a Friday. And it was a crazy case. It was, it's the first one that I personally participated on. Okay. And um, when I went there, I kept thinking to myself, it's so great to be in the actual, um, in the wake of disaster, like right now. It's too often, we're not there while it's happening. Mm -hmm. We've been in Haiti, as you know, you've been in Haiti with us. Mm -hmm. And you know that we've done hundreds of rescues in Haiti. And I'd say probably 90% of those victims, those survivors that we pull out, were made victims in 2010 when that huge earthquake hit. Right. Um, that earthquake produced tens of thousands of orphans overnight. Mm -hmm. And there's no one to care for them. Right. And so traffickers are like, harvest time. And they roll in and they just, in this case, they wrote orphanage on the side of the wall. They weren't an orphanage. But decent people are desperate. They don't know what to do with these kids. Oh, there's an orphanage. And they always have a very nice lady, in this case, very nice-looking lady. Oh, I'll take the kids. And then she's just selling them out the back. $10,000, $15,000. Organ harvesting, child sex tourism, or slave labor. And as you know, that story, Mike, there's, there's a whole documentary about this called Operation Two Saint, right? Mm -hmm. It's on Amazon. Um, that's how I, we went looking for the little boy, Gardy, yeah. who was kidnapped in Haiti He's an American citizen mm -hmm. of Haitian descent, kidnapped from the church where his father was the, the clergyman there, and um, two weeks before the earthquake. So while his, while his father, Gesno, who you've met, you know yeah. him, while he's looking for his son, and in, in, in already, a, Haiti's already chaotic, right? Um, while he's looking for his son, this earthquake happens, and he loses his mom and his brother right. and his sister. It's, cra it's this crazy story. Right. And that's what attracted me to the whole case and really was the foundational story for OUR. Because mm -hmm. that's what I was, when I heard the story of this man, I was just like, I gotta help him. Yeah. But the only way I could do it was to do, do it privately. In Ukraine, yeah. it's like, here we have a chance to do, in 2022, what we couldn't do in 2010 because we weren't there, we weren't around. Right. And so with that on my mind, and this, this plays a really important piece in a second here, with that on my mind, I was so excited to go in. And we got to Kyiv, I remember, and because the Ukrainians are giving us lists, like, this is the bombed out area. Here's a list of the orphans. Here's the kids that are suffering. You got to go get them. Okay. And so the mandate they gave us was, and they, they gave us all the passcodes and everything. To, we could just bust through all the checkpoints. Oh, that's great. So we're like basically an extension of, of the Ukrainian military. Uh, military intelligence, working with their social services, their, their crimes unit. So it's really cool. Like we get to really help. Uh, and so, but what's crazy is, is Good Friday, 2022, this year, we're heading in to the place they told us to go, which is called Chernihiv. Mm -hmm. it's, it's on the Russian border. 
and it had just seven days earlier the Russians had just like like leveled the place, because the Russians what they're doing is it's 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 a war of terror. They're using terror tactics. They're intentionally targeting civilians, which you're not supposed to do per the Geneva Convention. That's that's the engage, rules of engagement of war, right? Right. No, they're they're intentionally, and we have the proof. Like they're just blowing up, targeting civilian populations, so that they're trying to bend the will of the Ukrainians to, to surrender. Wow. It's really really unethical, obviously, and, and horrific. And right. But um, that's what they do, and they, and they just done that in Chernihiv. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're going to find, we have a list of, of, of women and children, mostly, who are going to get out. On Good Friday, people will remember this, it, because it made the news all over. The, the Ukrainians had sunk uh, the Moscow, which was the, the, the name of the flagship battleship mm -hmm. that the Russians had deployed in the Black Sea. Mm -hmm. And the Ukrainians attacked it and sunk it. Right. And it was like, what? How'd they do that to the Russians, you know? Um, and so we got the news, like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal for the Ukrainians, mm. you know. And, and 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 then we're in Kiev, we're like out of sight of Kiev, and we're now we're about 60 miles or less to getting to Chernihiv. Okay. And we find out that the Russians are going to retaliate for uh, that missile strike. Right. And how they retaliate, per their horrific rules of engagement, is they target the civilian population closest to where that missile was launched, that sunk their ship. Right. And we were just shocked when we found out that civilian population is Chernihiv. Oh, wonderful. You've already leveled the place. Now you're going to go just rain more hell and terror on these families and these children. Right. And so we had to make a decision. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Like, do we go in? Do we not? Because we're going to be going into missile strikes. Right. And we decided to go for it. We just felt it. We kind of just yeah. prayed and met it. Like, this, no, let's just go. We'll be, we'll be okay. We'll be protected. So we get in there. And again, all the while thinking that what was giving me courage was, remember, you wanted to be in Haiti in 2010. Right. So, so, so don't be afraid. Here's your chance, right? right. So Guardi's on my mind. My kids are on my mind. The whole Haiti thing's on my mind. Here's where it's crazy and beautiful. So we get in the Chernihiv, the very first group, and these kids are out there, out from the bomb shelters, and they're so freaked out. And they know this bus is going to take them home. Wow. And um, funny enough, we found there was another bus that had shown up, showed up at the same time no registration, no identifiables from Holland, okay, which plays later into the story. Mm -hmm. um, creepy is, is uh, so creepy, right? Because we know what's going on. Like, these are the guys, come on, come with me. I'll take you out of here. We'll go to Mexico. Gone. Gone. Right. Anyway, I see the first kid who's looking really scared. He's about he's seven years old. And I'm like, come on, let's go. And his, his sister, I'm like, let's go. Let's go get you on the bus. And the minute I put him on the bus, he was like, he was like scared and then just like... I'm, I'm free, I'm gonna get out of here. You know, it's so sweet. And I, I put him down, the first kid that I got to help. And I said, what's your name? And I have a translator. He says, my name is Gardy. Like, my whole body, I just chills. I have him right now, just like, what? Like, it was like, I had, I had to say it again and I filmed it because I, I didn't think anyone, I think I said it to you, right? It's like, my name is Gardy. And I was like, this is crazy. It's a, it's a sign from heaven. Like, you did the right thing. You're on the right path, you know? I asked my Ukrainian partners. I said, is that a pretty common name here? And they, all of them said, Tim, that's, uh, he's probably the only kid named Gardy in all of Eastern Europe. That's not even a name. That's more like a sound. Like, <laughs> like what are the chances? So we brought those kids back to Lviv. And then it was Sunday. It was Easter Sunday. And we took them out to... Um, all these orphan kids, you know, we took them to like a playground, a, a play place. And it was so fun and they were having fun. And it is just to forget all the yeah. hell they have seen and been through and they've 
they've lost their parents, they've lost family members. So they're jumping, we're jumping in the balls with them and playing. And that night, they take them back to their house, four missiles, um, Russian missiles struck Lviv. One was with about a mile from where we were staying. And the other one was even closer than a mile to where those kid, the kid's house was. Mm. Now there's air raid sirens, right? And so luckily, um, I didn't hear it where I was. I didn't move. I just woke up to the, to the missile strike. Jeez. Like, how come I didn't hear it? They did hear it. And they got the kids in the basement before the missile struck. And the missile, it didn't hit the house exact right on, but it was close enough that the impact blew all the windows out. And so it would have done severe damage, maybe it killed one of the kids. But we rushed over there, and they were all safe, luckily. Um, but that's when we realized we got to start looking for other areas. Lviv is no longer safe. Right. You know, since that time, the U.S. has provided some anti-missile um, weaponry. So oh, good. There's, we're not seeing as much of that okay. now. But um, but, but this yeah, war is still going on. Still going on. Yeah, yeah absolutely, it's absolutely still going on. But what happens in this case? It's like I thought we were just there for Ukraine. Right. If this were a movie, maybe eight percent of it would be what happened in Ukraine. <laughs> it's okay. like the operation expanded rapidly. Right. Ukraine opened up this whole entire yes. network. You yes, saying. because we're working with the okay. Ukrainian, and these are good people, and they're just the ones. Are, there's we're not involved with the politics. We don't. I don't really care. That, I don't have time to care that much. I'm just like right. I'll, I'll help. Any, I'll help Ukrainian kids. I'll help Russian kids. Whatever. This right. kid shouldn't be here. That's and so and that's who we're working with. People are just like help us find our kids, and they start showing us these lists: tens of thousands of women and children gone, disappeared. Like, where are they? Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Um, we, I just saw a report, seems pretty credible, about 250,000 orphans, they believe were kidnapped and taken into Russia, maybe in camps. We're, we're, we're trying to verify and how can we help get them out. Right. But tens of thousands of others just disappeared. And we mm -hmm. know what's going on because, again, we know that this is harvest time for traffickers. Right. In a $150 billion a year business, people have to ask, where are you getting your product in right. this business. Where's the supply You have from? to find places in turmoil. Right. You look for that earthquake in Haiti. You look for that hurricane in Southeast Asia. You look for the war in Ukraine. Because, I mean, it's just so sick because these people have been through so much. Yeah. And it's just like, let's just and that's field kick them these guys. while they're down yeah. and take them and sell them for sex. Right. Because it's, it's really, a, it's, it's really an, a lure, right? You, you have a 14-year-old girl. She's sobbing. 13-year-old, whatever. She's lost her family. Right. And there's no one helping her. Right. And this nice guy shows up, and maybe even a woman. Come on, I'll take you to Paris. I'll take you to Holland. And, right. You'll and be safe with you'll me. You'll be safe with us. And of course, I'm going to get in the car because it's that or, or missiles. Right. And, and uh, I'm tired of looking at the dead body of my, of my parents. Let's get me out of here. Right. So they get in the car. Oh, here's some tea. And you're going to be okay. So we need a blanket. And, and off they go. And all the countries at this time are, are accepting Ukrainian passports because it's the humanitarian thing to do. Right. So go, you get to go anywhere you want. Right. Right? Mexico, Caribbean. And, and so we're seeing upticks, and of course, of, of Ukrainians being sold. Right. So what happens is we, I just get this bug in me like, okay, aerial recovery's really got this operation, this ongoing rescue. Let's get, let's get even more proactive. Right. Like, so we, put, we build this team. We go to Budapest, we build this team of Ukrainian speakers operators because we're going to go into we're going to go everywhere you know every part of the world mm -hmm. even with a focus on latin america because we're seeing that uptick and we have a lot of connections there also europe you know it's we're more restrained what we can do there in terms of undercover work we always work with governments we don't mm -hmm. work outside but just for clarity's sake so you're seeing an uptick 
in Ukrainians that you're hearing about that Correct. are being trafficked and showing up in these foreign countries. Correct. Yeah, see, this is what you don't hear about in the news. Correct. So it's funny, when Catherine told me, go to Ukraine, go to Ukraine, the next day I was heading into um, a country in Latin America mm -hmm. to do, we were, we were infiltrating a trafficking organization there. It was a brothel. Mm -hmm. Similar, actually very similar to what, oh, really? what, we, we, what you and I saw, the same model. And um, while we were inside, the, the trafficker inside, he's the one that said the words that got that clicked. He's like, harvest time. So we got there and we we're like, there's a Ukrainian there. But she was, she was a Ukrainian woman. Mm. And, she, and they were talking like, we gotta, you know how many girls we can bring here right now? And they, they always like to soft pedal it like, we're gonna help them. They always, we're gonna help them. They're in a war zone, they could be in paradise. Yeah, being in, in paradise and being raped for money every night. But, that, but they were like, it's, it's, it, now it's harvest time, let's go get them. Wow. So it was like a second witness, like, and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've gotta go. Yeah. Um, so we built this team in Budapest, and while we're in Budapest, and we're working with another organization called Free a Girl out of Holland. And, right. and I love them, and we worked so great with them. So they help us with the training, they actually help us recruit Ukrainian actors and actresses. I mean, that's, I, I'm, I'm very open about the fact that I was, on mm -hmm. the first episode we did is, if I'm going to go recruit, the first people I'm looking for are actors, because <laughs> they're the they're the ones who are, are going to be operators, if they have the other abilities right. that we can train them on. Can you, you know, we, and we do all this. So we did this this training, and I met this this what looked like a 13, 14 year old girl walks into our training, and I thought she was in the wrong place. It's like, hey, hey, can I help you? And you know, she's speaking with a Ukrainian accent. She's like, oh, I'm free. A girl sent me. I'm like, oh, are you the daughter of Evelyn? The, you know, the founder. She's like, no, no, I'm, I'm one of the candidates for the school. She's 34 years old. She looks like a little kid. Yeah. So then I saw her and I was like, this is a godsend. Right. Like, with makeup, I can make you look 12. And now I have this bait. Mm -hmm. But now where's the case, right? So we're kind right. of waiting for the case. Well, the case comes um, while we're at training, a Dutch police asset okay. calls Frida Girl and says, you're with OUR, right? She's like, yes. They identified the leader of a political party in Holland, whose goal is to legalize sex with children. Yep. And they're open about it. And they talk about how they want to liberate these children because if they could just engage in sexual activity, it would help be so great for them. If adults love it, why can't kids love it? It's just, and it's right. this, this whole ideology that they're trying to push and they're having lots of success. Um, now, before I tell you the rest, can I show you this footage? Yes. And then you watch this, and then just push pause anytime. Okay. And, and then uh, you'll be able to see this footage. Children. The rumors of the war crimes had already been there, but the evidence of the war crimes was then uncovered. People bound and executed on the sides of roads. There were kids that were found in oh. cellars that had been, that looked like tortured, some missing ears. And it's just a lot of evidence of a lot of terrible things that should not happen. Operation Underground Railroad has been working with orphanages in Ukraine since they before just, the war um, to deal with what was on the. <laughs> just some of those shots of the. Of the... Yeah, horrible. Horizon. But what is happening is worse than we imagined. What's your name? In the first eight days of the invasion, there was an estimated 10,000 orphans that are unaccounted for. 
when devastating events happen, the underbelly of the world rushes in to take advantage of the most vulnerable. And this war is the perfect hunting ground for traffickers and predators. We have to see and understand that our children are being targeted. We have to understand it so that we can stop it. We cannot stand by and do nothing. And we helped build a aftercare home, a, basically a, a shelter for when the time comes that they'll be spilling over and the government will be sending them out if it gets too dangerous to work them. And that's another reason we're here in Budapest, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. together. This is an amazing team of Ukrainian-speaking uh, operators. So we've been working with their police on victim identification, programs, training, how we can work together, how to infiltrate target locations. The training went uh, amazingly, and uh, one of the organizations that helped us put this team together is called Free a Girl, and they provided us with a lead from their Dutch police assets about um, a Dutch guy pedophile who has been charged and is about to stand trial for raping little boys, he took off. This is crazy. He's looking to traffic Ukrainian war victims in through Mexico into his pedophile market. He thinks he's talking to other pedophiles. He's claiming that he's, according to this, I'm, I'm little Mexican kids. Those are his words, not mine. He's saying in these chats, he's safe in Mexico. But what he doesn't realize is that's like the worst country is that, was that him walking down the street? Yes. You're gonna start seeing f videos of him, including, there's an interview here, you're gonna, a piece of an interview where he's, he's publicly, he, he goes on the news and says, listen to what he says. You'll see it in about three seconds. He could have picked going up against OUR. They can pull a team of 40 SWAT guys. We just got done with the training, we're still here in, in Eastern Europe and we might just go from here to Mexico. Dude, your hair looks hot, bro. I like it. Amazing meeting. They had everybody in there. I like that. I like that. I like that pointy crazy. thing. The chief of police, the assistant attorney general, the prosecutor, another prosecutor, every chief, every division. And this is what I do, bro. We do these parties in this beautiful suite. I would bet my entire life savings that this guy's got child exploitation material. We got lots of options, lots of girls, but that's what I'm going to tell you all about it tomorrow. The only objective for renting this place and, and putting up so much resources for this yeah. is to make him comfortable That's to talk. Okay, so yeah. my role was to get the targets who helped me traffic this girl She's that I crossed. He doesn't feel that he's doing anything wrong. He girl. says, okay, I have a crush on children from, from 4 to 14, and if they just... If they agree with sex, it should be allowed. Maar is een kind van twee, drie jaar dan wel ontwikkeld van heb je zin in een ijsje? Heb je zin in om naar de speeltuin te gaan? Heb je ja, zin... Ik heb toch die twee dingen niet met elkaar vergelijken. Ik denk het wel. Uh, he, he, is a, he is a spooky, creepy dude. I'm not sure what to do, but I'm gonna fight. So what do you think, bro? You, you excited to come tomorrow and get to know me? He said, um, of course, if you are a cop, I will have to kill you. But I don't think that would be necessary. I'm gonna get a gun and get to what the fuck is mine. When he sees me with my shirt off, my tattoos, my hair, my hat, my girlfriend, it's just like, come on, this is real.
Like, yeah. there's no way the cops could put this much into something. And then I'm going to say, look, bro, can you help me with this? Okay. I'm going to pause it there. Okay. Just ask a ton of questions. Okay, so you go from the Ukraine to Mexico. Yes. To follow this guy? Yep. So then what happens when you get into Mexico? So it's just like, okay, we're with friends. We call them up. They gather. Uh, the attorney general makes it an absolute priority. Uh, and so we start putting together this plan. Um, Mexicans did such an amazing job. With all the evidence they had, they were able to secure an arrest warrant um, for, for his possession of, of child exploitation material. Now, how do you know that he has, I know that in the video you're talking about that you, you bet your life savings that the guy has yeah. child exploitation material. Yeah. Like, of course he does. Um, how do the Mexicans, like, how does it go from this fugitive guy from Holland who goes to Mexico, what, what's the impetus that gets the Mexican police to go, great, we got him, let's go after him, or we have this material, or we have this many kids that he has, or et cetera, et cetera, if you don't mind. Yeah, so because of all the communications, the undercover communications that are taking place between me and him, I give yeah. them all the evidence. Okay. They take that evidence and they are able to do their things that are on forensics. And we don't even know, and we don't need to know everything they did. But right. they did enough to confirm it. It's just, it's just, where is he now? This arrest, they have enough to arrest him, but where is this guy? Okay. He's so elusive. So what they did was, uh, we, we went over the top. We, have a, we had a party in the suite the night before. Mm -hmm. um, and we took that Ukrainian girl. We had a makeup artist on the ground with us. Turned her into a 12-year-old and made her dress, you know, dressed her up super sexy-like. Mm -hmm. And she's sitting in the corner of this party like this. We have, like, we brought people like from the street in, like, <laughs> just to make it so real. Right. And it's just this party, the whole point was for, the whole party that lasted a couple hours was just for a one minute phone FaceTime. So I could FaceTime this guy. It's, I knew he'd be nervous. And is he gonna go through with it? Cause he'll think I'm a cop. He, right. he threatened me. He said, if you are a cop and I find out you're a cop, I have a gun and I will kill you. Yeah. Um, and that was awesome that he said that because it's illegal to have a firearm in Mexico. So that yeah. they, they actually caught him. That was one of the ways they got him arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, so you do this elaborate setup so that just you can FaceTime. Face, I FaceTime, bro, you're missing the party. And then I flash the camera over to Alona, who's sitting there, and she looks 12 years old, and she's scared, and she's, she's like, Alona, say hi. And she's just like, yeah. I mean, she's 34 years old, this woman, right. right? It's amazing. So he's just like, oh my gosh, I, 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 can't, I have to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to come there. Okay. Um, so the next day, uh, in coordination with the Mexican intelligence, they said, make the phone call. Don't give them a time to come. Make a phone call in a window that we're all watching. So they were able to uh, triangulate the cell phone tower communication to know that he was within a certain city block or several blocks. Okay. And so now that they narrowed that down, Okay, now it's, we can't narrow it anymore, so we're still, like, hundreds of people, like, in this area. And they have, you know, like most cities, they have cameras on the, on the you know, the, on towers and phone, the traffic lights and so forth. Um, and so they were just waiting. They call him, and we'll have all these screens up, and we'll just look. Right. And see if a tall, he's 6'7". If a tall Dutch guy with red hair comes walking out of a door, hopefully we'll see him. Right. We're like, oh, still, like, a small chance. So I make the phone call. They're not hard to see in Mexico. Right. I'm, I make a phone call, and uh, a few minutes, he's like, I said, come on over, bro. I'm waiting for you. Because he wouldn't tell me where he lived. I tried, to, I tried everything. Like, yeah, I'll come pick you up. Nope. I'll meet you there. I'm like, okay. So I, I call him. I hang up, and within about half hour, like, we got him.
We got him. We, had, we have his address. We caught him walking out. And they recorded that area so they could go back and replay it. And yeah. So they found him. Um, so then he, at this point, they could arrest him, but now it's like, no, give me a chance to find out where his lieutenants are. Mm-hmm. These other guys, a bunch of them fled. These are the political party uh, bosses. And they were all arrested around the 2020 time range, and they all fled. Now, okay, so go back just so everyone understands. So where were they arrested and for what? They were arrested in Holland for sex crimes against children, little boys. And then they fled. Yeah, they were charged. Now they're waiting trial. They let them out on bail, stupid, and they gave them their passport, stupid. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. It gets worse. It gets worse. So then they go hide, and no one knows where they are. This Dutch policeman finds them. Okay. Turns the lead over to us. He doesn't turn the lead over to his people. Right. Well, he did. I think he tried initially, but I'll tell you how that went. Okay. And then he came to us. He, he's a hero, Link. If they fire him, I told him we'll hire you. <laughs> right. Um, because they're mad at him. It's like... I'm sh- this yeah. is really, but it's, it's sick why they're mad at him. So then we go in, and now it's just about how do I get this guy to tell me where his lieutenants are? Meaning his sort of seniors. Yeah, his seniors. Okay. And they're somewhere, we don't know where they are. Okay. They fled too, and they're really dangerous. They're making child exploitation, rape material with little boys, and all sorts of things. We bring him up there knowing he's going to be so nervous. So we just make it like, we just talk like about everything, just kind of get him to calm down by just being overly chatter, chattery, chatter, chattery. He doesn't say much. He doesn't want to say much. But the whole point is, I'm going to ask him the question. I call it the kill shot, you know. I'm going to ask him the question, where, is your, where are your boys at? I can't ask more than once. Because, why? Because he'll be suspicious. Like, I, why would Brian really care that much? Right. Like, I got business in Mexico with him. It's got to be kind of a casual conversation. And if I bring it up once and then bring it up in an hour. Right. I'll be like, okay, what's going on, right? And he won't tell me. So, okay, so, so I understand. So you make that phone call, right? He comes out of wherever he was hiding from, and now the guys that you're working with are tracking him. Yes. So now he's going to meet with you. He still thinks your name is Brian. Yes. And he thinks that you're another pedophile, mm-hmm. and you're hooking up with him, mm-hmm. and then you ask him the question. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And he's so excited to meet Alona. The, the little girl. The little girl. The, little, the girl that he thinks it's, is a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Okay. So he's in my suite, and the same place where we had the party, that's why I showed him the video so he can feel comfortable, like, I'm real, bro, I had a party here last night, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wouldn't talk. I could tell he was so nervous, as he should be. Right. But the, the, it, was too, it was too much of a temptation. He had to come, right? Kind of like when, when we do it and you pretend to be a little kid. Yeah. Like, it, you make it so, like, they have to come. So he, shows, he does show up, doesn't talk much, but I didn't need him to, because my whole point was, my plan is to get him, I, we picked this hotel on purpose. Mm-hmm. See, these are the little details. Like, you think you have to think at every little detail, you, you know, to, to, to get what you want in the end, which, tell me where your guys are, you know? <laughs> so, there's a, I picked the hotel at a park, beautiful park, below. Okay. And that's where I put Alona, and you'll see footage of this, and you'll see she has a little red hat on, she looks 13, 12 years old. And so, while we're up talking, I say, hey, you want to say hi to Alona? She's down in the park. And so we FaceTime, and she's sitting there, and, she's like, and she speaks English, but we have her speaking Ukrainian. Right. And then I have another Ukrainian adult who's with me. Her name's Natty, and she's translating for her. Okay. Again, they all, speak, they, they all speak English, but the whole point is to make her even look more vulnerable. Like, right. I don't speak any language but Ukraine, and, you know, and, and she has this little red hat on. And I got this big, one of my operators who looks like a, a trafficker. <laughs> he's holding her in the park, like, okay, you should say hi to, say hi to this guy. So now he's like... I'm like, want to go down there? Go down and have lunch with her. And my, again, my only purpose now is I'm going to go in for my kill shot, right? 
So we get into the park and it's like, it was instantly, I knew it, the plan worked. Because okay. he, he just goes, like relaxes. Wow. He's like, I now know you're not a cop. I said, what? Why do you think I'm a cop? And how do you know? He's like, because you would have arrested me in the hotel, which he's right. Mm. A cop would have done that because he's contained there. <laughs> right. Then he says, he says to me, and I also know you're not like a Dutch assassin to kill me. I'm like, you think that's a possibility? He's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm hated by a lot of the Dutch people. I mean, I'm known. And again, you would have shot me when you had me in a hotel room. Why would you shoot me in a public place? I'm like, bro, I'm not a cop. I'm not an assassin. I'm just, I just want to little kids with you, you know? Mm. Okay, bro. So now he's calm. Now, the park is laced with cops. Right. Okay. And they're letting me take as much time as I need looking for Alona, where she is, because we're going to have lunch somewhere. Um, and then once I have what I need, I'll give the sign and they'll just go, they'll emerge from, you'll see the video. They'll just emerge okay. from the trees and just arrest him. So pretty soon into our walk, once I saw his body language and what he was saying, I said, so I, I looked up, you have a couple of buddies, because, you know, he's public. He knows the public. He knows I'm smart, and so I'm going to vet him. He's vetting me. Right. So I looked up, these, this guy Leslie and Martin, where, where are they? He's like, oh, I know where they are. Yeah, I, used to, I worked at their hotel for a, a time. Like their hotel? I was like, yes, they have a sex hotel. I'm like, dude, I want to go to their sex hotel. Right. He's like, where is it? He's like, I, I don't know you well enough to tell you where it is. I said, but you work there? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. And then to kind of push him a little, I said, well, I don't really like vacationing in Europe anyway, so I don't care. I probably wouldn't want to go. He's like, oh, it's not in Europe. It's in Latin America. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Well, and I stopped because I'm like, I already know. I already know now we're going to find him. Right. Um, and so I give the sign. The cops emerge out of the trees, arrest him. They take him to jail, and he has a cell phone, which when, when he came in, we, we made it. He put everything in, the, in a drawer, like no, no cell phones in here, right? So we were looking at He, he had BitTorrent running, which means he's downloading child exploitation material. Like, right there. Like, these guys, it's like food and water and air to them. They have to always have it. So he's in the jail cell, right? He's like, hey, listen, you want into my phone? I'll let you into my phone. Like, I have nothing to hide. So I'll give you my phone. I'll, I'll just put the code in and give it to you. Okay. So they give him his phone, right? He takes it through, this, through the cell. Come on. And, he, and it's a cement floor, and he just goes, ching, ching. He starts smashing the phone on the, on the cement floor and breaks the thing to pieces. And then the cops have to take, they have to get into the, you know, and it's, luckily we have amazing friends. I mean, you people. can't make this stuff up. I know. They, okay. They're, they're going to recover it all because we have really good forensic people. That night we hit his house. Okay. Search warrant on his house. Um, we brought one of our canines. The, the canines sniff out digital media, you know, yeah. this program we have. No, but my audience doesn't. Yeah, so it's crazy. So okay. uh, we know bomb sniffing dogs and drug sniffing dogs are very effective. Well, these dogs, in, in every digital media component storage device, whether it's an SD card, like these little tiny thumb drives, or if it's a big computer, laptop, cell phone, everything, they all use this kind of, it's a glue component that keeps the microchips together, mm -hmm. and they all have the same component, and it has a distinct smell. So the dogs are trained on that smell. When you direct the dog to a place where you think there's child exploitation material, like a warrant, where you already know there's something there, yeah. because what, 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 what police are seeing is they're hiding it. Oh, no. so they're hiding the machine. Mm -hmm. they're, okay. hiding, they're, they're hiding the storage device. Okay. And so sometimes the storage, you can have like how many terabytes on this little SD card. Okay. And, and you'll never find it because you can hide it in the floorboard. You can hide it in the curtains and right. a human being isn't going to find it. So the guy gets free. Like, sorry, I don't have anything. And even worse, sometimes the only evidence, the only clue that exists that a child is being hurt and where you can find them will be an image or a video on this little 
SD card. Mm. And Matman, this Dutch pedophile hiding in Mexico City, had bragged about how the Dutch didn't find all his stuff when they hit his house because he's so good at hiding it. Mm. And so because we knew that, we brought Hidu. Hidu's one of our dogs. So Hidu comes in. He's actually the, this is the first canine that we know of doing any work outside the United States. So, and it was his first case. He was just out of the academy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was the first dog, too, that we kept. We usually give the dogs away, so we don't own them, so we can't mandate where they go. Right. So we're like, let's just keep one of our own and have one of our own operators be the handler. Yeah. So we can respond quickly in case there's a place, you know. A week out of the academy, this happened. So we fly him to Mexico. You're going to see footage. It's so, so awesome. Okay. So, this, so the dog runs into the house, finds four devices. Oof hiding in, 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 in Matman's house, in Nelson's house. Because the attorney general did a press conference. Like, thank you to Hidu the dog, OUR's dog who came in and found all this. And so everyone was talking about Hidu the next day. And he's on, he's on the front page of every news outlet. It was awesome. <laughs> I need to meet him. Yeah, he's, and he's so okay. sweet. He's so cute. I had a very emotional experience because it was after four months of just like being gone. And my poor wife, you know, we have nine children, <laughs> you know, and most of them are little still. You yeah. Know? And... She sends me away, knowing this is more work for her, right? But she does the right thing. And, and it didn't make any sense anyway. Like, it didn't make any sense other than a spiritual mandate where it's right. like, just go and it'll work out. That's why God gave me the little guardy story. Because, like, <laughs> you're on the right path. Right. I'm, you, good job. You listened to your wife who was listening to me. Um, so anyway, weeks after I was home from this craziness, months later, I was talking to Catherine, and, and I actually got, I started crying. Because I just realized what happened. Like, Catherine, do you realize what just happened? Like, I didn't think about it till now. You sent me to Ukraine. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't even about Ukraine. We didn't know why you were sending me. Mm. You didn't know why. I didn't know why. But God knew about these children in Kanoa. You know, who would have thought? But it was like all orchestrated. You know, it's like you just go here and listen, right. and the doors will start opening. Right. For all this to happen in four months is it's insane. Crazy. And this just happened. Just like happened. You just finished this. Oh, yeah, I'm just off. I'm just off. I just, it, it, this is all brand new. Thank you for coming again. Thank, thank you for you. doing what you do. I want to thank Tim Ballard for being here today. The dedication with which Tim and the OUR team fight to save women and children from traffickers is beyond expression. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Please be sure to follow us and click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also visit us at www.slaveryfreeworld.org. We appreciate all the positive reviews as it really helps us make sure this information is getting to as many people as possible. So once again, thank you for joining me and until next time.